Almighty God, what a gift it is to gather and to sing of the Father's love for us even before the worlds began to be. What a gift it is to come to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, who's given his life for us and gathers us into his own life, which lasts forever, victorious over sin and death. What a gift it is to know that when two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with us, and there he gifts us with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would now pour out, pour out your Spirit upon us, that you would open our hearts and minds and lives to hear your word and to be transformed by it and to be given new life, that we too would be like babes before you, calling out to our God and King. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So <clears throat> there is a, a book written by C.S. Lewis, a uh, sci-fi trilogy. <coughs> the first one's called Out of the Silent Planet. And in it, the main character, Ransom, is on holiday. As, you know, they don't go on vacation you know, in, in England. They go on holiday. So he's on holiday. He's walking the road, and he hears a boy crying out, and he goes to try to rescue him. Incidentally, he runs into this friend that he knew from university who subsequently drugs him <laughs> and then kidnaps him. And Ransom wakes up in a room which is narrow and yet opens and the walls seem to get wider and wider the higher they go. And as his eyes follow the the walls, he sees above him a skylight and he feels this vibration, this kind of rumbling somewhere beneath and as he looks out the skylight he sees this light come and shine in so incredibly brightly and he can think it's only only could be the moon it's the and he's blown away because he remembers well how can this be when i was walking by the hedge there was no moon that night on my side of the world how is this and right as he's trying to figure it out his his friend from university walks in and he He's afraid, but he has to ask, what is the moon doing here? And he says to Ransom, that's not the moon, that's the earth. <laughs> of course, he wrote this before space travel or any of that, right? <laughs> and so Ransom immediately passes out. He faints, he's overwhelmed, he can't take it in. What in the world is happening? Obviously, he's on a spaceship, right? <clears throat> out of the silent planet. So what C.S. Lewis was anticipating before any human being actually experienced this uh, astronauts now experience and speak about this reality. They call it, it actually has a name. It's called the overview effect. You ever heard of it? Uh, now that, you know, civilians are going up on SpaceX and some of these kind of tourist flights that go up above the Earth and look back on it, normal folks like us are also going up high enough that they see the whole world there. And they're coming back and they're reporting their experiences. One, one astronaut said that he went up and he looked out one side of the shuttle and he saw the void and the emptiness and the immensity of space. And then he turned and he looked out the other window and there was Earth, everyone that he'd ever known or loved, the only place where any living thing that we know about exists. And he just had this experience of 
of being made one in some way with all that he saw. He recognized this as they were passing over Pakistan. I forget the number, but he said, oh yeah, there are so many millions of us who live there. And he realized he said us, right? He was an American. His perspective was changed as he went up and out in the same way that Ransom's was when he went out of the silent planet. And we've been talking about worship and we're starting to move into it. And, and the first part of worship is actually a leaving behind of the world and of going out and up into a particular destination that will change our perspective on things. It's called the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Did you notice that at the very beginning I said, I want to tell you where we're going first? And I quoted the opening line to the oldest Christian worship liturgies that we know. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of ages. Amen. At the very beginning of worship, we announce our destination. We're taking a trip out and away. We're leaving behind certain things. We're, we're leaving the earth behind, even as mysteriously we gather it up and take it with us. But our perspective is being changed. And so what I'm going to do this morning is show you throughout the Scriptures all these instances where people kind of leave behind the world and encounter God and then return changed. And so the Scripture that we're going to turn to can be found in the book of Revelation. We turn to chapter 4 and just read a few verses. I want you to listen carefully and listen well. For this too is the word of the Lord. It's also the account of John. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And round the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all round and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. John is actually worshiping on a Sunday morning and a door stands open in heaven and he says come up here so that I must show you the things that must take place after this but upon going he encounters one seated on the throne the Lord and he encounters the angels who surround the throne the elders the saints who are also gathered there and he experiences something in worship he realizes that he was here on this island called Patmos, separated from everyone, he thought. 
And yet when he was worshiping, he was actually joining with the company of heaven. I was thinking we'd have sort of a smaller crowd today with, right, you know, one service and ice outside and snow and so on. But the church is never empty. We learn something about worship when we open the scriptures, that when we come and enter into worship, we actually join with the whole company of heaven. That's one thing. But let's look at another passage. Let's think for a moment about some places in scripture where people are called out in a way and beyond to leave the world behind or to leave conflict behind or to leave the struggles and difficulties of life behind for a moment and to enter into a different place. Now, most of these are, are demonstrated for us in a physical way. There's an ascent up, literally, like up a mountain or up to the temple or so on. But what we also experience is an inner transformation, a change in, in the state of your being. So that when we gather and when we worship, we're actually drawn up and out of the things that pull us down and we encounter Christ. So first, let's think about Moses. Uh, you remember Moses? He is sent by God, leads the people out of Egypt. They're going through the wilderness. And then they come to the mountain of the Lord, Mount Sinai. And God says to Moses, come up here. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Says it to us every time we worship. Come up here. Come be, be with me. And so Moses goes up the mountain of God, and there's an orderly process to it. The people that have been led out are at the base of the mountain. The elders come up a little further. See how that mirrors what John sees in heaven with the angels and then the elders and so on? So he's making his way up the mountain. He comes to the top, and as the people at the bottom look up, they see darkness. They see lightning and thunder, and it, it, there's an element of fear involved as they look up. There's... Moses is entering into a mystery. And the same is true for us. When we come to worship, it's easy for us to just go through the motions. But truly, as we approach the kingdom, as we approach God, we're entering into a mystery. We're entering in the presence of one that we can't fully describe. So Moses goes up and meets one that he can't fully encompass, that he can't get his whole head around, that he can't, uh, restrict to a particular box. But this God also doesn't want for him to be ignorant about who he is. He wants to be known. And he says, I am the God who brought you out of slavery, out of bondage. I'm the God who set you free. I'm the God who wants to love you and to make promises to you. And here's how we shall live together. And so he gives him the commandments. So Moses, as he ascends the mountain, enters into mystery, but also learns something about what God desires from him and how he can respond to the God who has saved him. And that's exactly what happens when we come to worship. We enter into a mystery. We approach God. And yet God also reminds us that I'm the God who has saved you. I'm the God that binds you as a people. I'm the God who has plans for your life. And here's how you can live in a relationship with me. Or think of Elijah, the great prophet. You know, Elijah went up on the mountain there's this contest between the gods um, uh, and the prophets of Baal obviously lose, but then this displeases the king and the queen, and so they're out to get Elijah. Elijah's now on the run, and at a certain point in his life, he flees again to the mountain of God. And he goes up, and he hides in a cave. 
And so there's an element in which when we come to worship, you could even imagine this as, as the cave, right? We come and we gather and we leave the chaos of life. We leave the violence that people do to one another behind. We set aside all these things that are out to get us and we find a moment of respite here together. A moment of peace here together. A moment of clarity. A moment that we can understand is rescue. Elijah's in the cave and he's sitting and he looks out and he experiences an earthquake. But discovers as he's pursuing God that God's not in the earthquake. Everything's shaking. But he doesn't find God there in the immensity of that power. There's a great fire. He doesn't perceive or encounter God in the raging fire that comes and destroys. There's a mighty rushing wind. It's like the voices that come at us and speak to us nonstop all week on the radio, on the TV, on our phones, <laughs> everywhere. He doesn't discover God there. No, instead, up on the mountain where he's left all those things behind, he encounters God. God encounters him in, you remember, the still, quiet voice. God calls us out of the world, brings us to a place of safety and refuge here, but doesn't confront us usually by shaking us like an earthquake or coming with such fiery judgment that we can't even stand. He doesn't bowl us over. No, he, he speaks to us with a still, quiet voice. Can you hear him speaking to you? I believe it's happening now. But it also requires that you lean in just a little. When someone whispers to you, when God speaks to you, God wants you to lean towards him too. Elijah called up and out. Moses called up and out of the world, encountering God and then returning different. Think of David. David, we could go through a number of his experiences in life, but he writes that, um, that psalm. Here it is, Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock which is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my enemy. From the ends of the earth, I call to you to lead me up. That's what he said. Take me from the ends of the earth. Take me to the rock which is higher than I. And so enters Jesus Christ into the story and shows us how at every point Christ is the one we meet on top of the mountain. Think of the disciples who were first called to leave behind home and work and all the things that they thought was them to follow Jesus, and he was leading them up. And he led them to the Mount of Beatitudes. I actually got to go and stand on it and look out and see. It's incredibly gorgeous. And he leads them up to this mountain, and he preaches to them the Sermon on the Mount. And so he begins to go through the commandments, the same ones that Moses received. And he shows them that they're not just things to keep performing in an outward way, but there's an inner reality to them. He says, don't just, don't murder your brother, but if you're angry at him, you've committed murder in your heart. He goes to the interior life because he wants to change us and give us a different state of being. 
So he goes through the commandments. He says things like, you know, turn the other cheek. Someone strikes you. Someone asks for your cloak. Give them your tunic as well. Someone says, walk with me a mile. Walk with him two miles. Pouring your life out in love for the sake of the other. He says things like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then at the very end of the sermon on the mount where they have come to learn to receive the law. He says, anyone who does, hears these words of mine and does them will be like the man who built his house upon the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Jesus says, do these words of mine and you will build your house upon him, upon the rock. So that when winds come and the floods rise, your house will stand. Don't be like the man who builds his house on the sinking sands. So too, when Jesus leads Peter, James, and John, again, out of the world, up on top of the Mount of Transfiguration, they discover that the God that Moses encountered in mystery, and the people looked up and saw darkness and couldn't penetrate the truth and reality of who that was, they now encounter in Jesus Christ because there with Jesus is Moses and Elijah. Familiar names yet? And they see the glory of the light of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is who God is drawing them up to be with and to encounter with himself. We could look at Paul, the apostle who speaks of going up in a humble way, going up to the third heaven and encountering God. They're seeing a vision that he couldn't even put into words. We could think of John, yes, who is called out of the world into heaven to go up to ascend and experiences there the worship that never ceases around the throne of God in heaven, a vision of immense beauty and power. You see what begins to happen in worship. What are we actually doing today? Well, you have been called out of the world. And to a certain degree, you've done that physically. What did you leave behind this morning? Comfortable bed. Freedom to do whatever you wanted to do today. The prospect of safety. The roads were iffy, right? A, a desire to preserve your life perfectly so that nothing could touch it. You, you took something of a chance getting in your car this morning. You left behind that too. And you drew near to this place. You passed through Avery County and left that behind in some way. You passed through Newlands. And you left that behind and you passed through the businesses and then onto the square and came to the central place, this highest place, which has a steeple that points up to heaven. And you came in and you left those things behind. Even as you also brought them with you, didn't you? Because they're a part of you. You left them behind. And you entered in and you were called to worship. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us worship God. It's like hearing, come up here. It's time to worship. Come up here. I'm going to show you these things which happened. We've come. We've climbed. We've realized that we needed to confess. We left behind our sin. We're assured of God's forgiveness. We left that behind. We climbed a little higher. And we opened the word and we heard the words of Scripture. We heard all these accounts of people who have ascended the mountain of God, who God has called up to be with Him. All the things they left behind. And slowly but surely, it's not just our bodies that are being changed as we move from home to the church as we ascend. It's also, in some measure, 
our souls, which are being changed. Until that moment where we come to this table and encounter Christ as he gives us his body and blood. This is like step one of worship. It's good to know where we're headed, isn't it? Blessed be the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of ages. It's good to know where we're going. It helps us also ask, what do I need to leave behind? And the final question is, after you go back, what sort of an overview effect will you have to share? What, what sort of a story can you now tell because you've been up to this place with God that's given you perspective and it's changed you so that you can now look at the world and say words like us and loved. It's pretty serious what we do. Even when we're not ready to do it, we just kind of get taken up. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat>